John chapter 13, we're given a new commandment. So what's so new about the new commandment? Well, let's talk about that next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Advertising makes billions off of new and improved, and our society is quick to follow after new and improved, so let's do just that. Here next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. The New Commandment. What's so new about it? Well, let's talk about that. John chapter 13 is where we find ourselves beginning in verse 31. Take a moment, join us, and understand with us what the New Commandment is all about and why it's so important for you and I today. Here now with this edition of Truth For Today, our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. The book of Hebrews is a book of encouragement. I'm going to preach from John, but I want to read a passage to you. It says in Hebrews 10:23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And he's saying this, you, plural, and then watch this. How, how can you stimulate each other to love and good deeds? Well, you've got to be in contact with them some way, right? Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Have you ever seen an over-encouraged Christian? <laughs> encouraging one another, as you watch LeBron James in the NBA playoffs, I think that he's going to win it anyway. But anyway, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near, some of you can't be stimulated because you don't get around the folks that can stimulate you. We corporately meet to stimulate each other by song, by testimony, by the word, uh, hopefully by interacting with one another. And uh, uh, as the day of Christ gets closer, as we live in the day of demonic spirits and demonic oppression of everything that promotes Christ, uh, we'll meet tonight. And this young man over here, Matt Nicosia, it's our first time to have Matt preach to the church. Uh, he's taught on many different levels, heads our men's uh, ministry and uh, one of our deacons, and uh, I think we'll find out what all God's going to do with him as a preacher. But he loves the Lord. He's on a job. He'll be working five days this week, driving to Santa Rosa, raising three kids, paying bills, getting up as early as you, and he's going to preach tonight. And uh, it'd be wonderful if you'd come, first of all, to support Jesus, uh, support the saints that need to be stimulated, might be an encouragement to a, a man, an empty building. Nothing will drain you any more than an empty building. You know, it's kind of draining today, break in back preaching after last week. 
because first service is maybe uh, 50%, maybe. But last week it was full, right? But we can't feed you every week. <laughs> feed you the Word. Deborah and I have tried to figure out how we go one service all through the summer because we love, it's a different kind of meeting. There's an excitement. And so uh, many of you are so faithful to come out at night. I encourage you to come. Uh, it might be radical Christianity for you because you never grew up with folks that need it. Maybe think it could be good all day, but it can't. And I think we need the stimulation. If you want it, if you want to be encouraged, if you want to be stimulated, I encourage you to come. And there's a little thing we do uh, that you might call a rabbit's foot, and that would mean you have no idea. We actually break bread and celebrate the Lord's Supper. And if there's baptisms, we would do it. There's none tonight. But we encourage you to come and uh, uh, see me after the service. And tell me, listen to me, I want you to meet me after the service if you come, and you normally don't, and tell me whether it was a waste of your time or if it was profitable. Just see me after the service, okay? And I'll have some bodyguards with me if you're feisty. <laughs> uh, turn to John 13. Jesus is in the upper room. Uh, He's there to show the full extent of his love. That's exactly what he said in verse 1. And in showing that love, he does something that is radical, something we could never expect God to do. And that is, he strips his outer garment and he takes on the apron or the cloak of a servant, a household slave, and he begins to wash the feet of his followers. Uh, it's a humiliating thing. No Jew would ever ask another Jew to wash his feet. It was beneath them. They hired slaves to do that. But Christ, in showing his love, uh, lays aside uh, any exterior, I'm, a, I'm better than you, above you, and he's God, and takes the role of a servant, washes the feet of dirty men, failing men, and the men have come into the room competing and seeing who's the greatest. There's no love lost between the disciples. Up to now, I don't know that you could say they love one another. They compete with one another, but I don't know that you could say they love one another. Maybe they love Christ. I'm not sure yet. I know at the end of this book, Jesus asked Peter a question. Do you love me. It's amazing how you can hang out with Christ and maybe not be in love with him yet. Or your love is cooled off, whatever. But in this context, Satan has entered the heart of Judas. He's gone out and it's night to carry out the plot to sell Christ. Peter, later on in this chapter, will leave Christ as well as all the rest that night. So there's nobody in that room that's a loyal friend to Jesus. Nobody. Nobody's got the kind of love that I'm going to stick around if you face hard times. I'm out of here. But Jesus is showing off his love, and they're astounded at it. A stooping God, a serving God, a God saying he's going to the cross, a God that says he's going to die for them. A God that models something that he says, I've given you an example, now you follow what I did. 
So he, the room is full of love only out of one person. The rest are stunned. And so then we come to this section, 31 through 35. It's so familiar that we can make it trite. Let's try to understand it. Therefore, when he had gone out, Judas, that is, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. I think he's not, he, he sees I'm at the cross, I'm at the completion of my mission, and God's going to get glory. Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to you, the Jews, now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. It's interesting. He uses two, the words love three times. Your love is to be continuing. Mine is a one-time act. I've loved you here. I'm foretelling the cross. My love act is I came and I died. I want you to continuously be loving one another. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The command to love is it new. He told Israel to love their neighbors as themselves. Uh, but that was national and ethnic love. And Jews became known as haters of the Gentiles and struggle with loving even their own people. And as Jesus illustrated in the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so they had that command. Uh, they had the command to love God with all their heart in Deuteronomy 6. Uh, we've got the command to love our wife as Christ loved the church in Ephesians. But this command, what's new about it? What's new about it? And I'm going to lift out five things about the new command that I see as new territory, brand new uh, in every way. But let me, first of all, give you just a little intro to this concept of love. Love is an ambiguous word. Uh, if I use it this way, you'll understand. Uh, kid comes in from playing outside. Uh, Mom, could I have a peanut butter sandwich? I love peanut butter, and I love you too. Uh, or, uh, baby, baby, I love you. Uh, don't get pregnant on me, don't get sick on me, and don't get ugly, because I'm out of here. Was that love or lust? Lust, I want to use you for my own purposes without any commitment to you. No contract here. Whereas, different kinds of love. We don't have any words in English language to differentiate the shades of, Lord, I love you. I love my wife. I love my dog. I mean, it goes on and on. And every time in the context, you're saying, what? I wonder what the word love means in their mind. 
I hope the love for God isn't equal to the love for a dog. Well, the Greeks had four different words. They had the word eros, storke, phileo, and agape. The word eros was a word that was based upon externals, uh, the physical. So it became used of erotic love, sexual, physical love. But its basic concept was on what pleases the eye, the external. And uh, Aristotle said it begins with the eye. It's associated with desires and passions. And so, uh, wow, I love that chick. Uh, oh, I love that car. And you might be just saying, I love the external. I love the figure. I love the beauty of the car, the girl, whatever. And so it was used of the external. It meant nothing beyond that. And uh, having just celebrated by being sick last week, our anniversary, uh, I quote one of my favorite love poems to you. Uh, John's girl is rich and haughty. My girl is poor as clay. John's girl is young and pretty. Mine looks like a bale of hay. John's girl is smart and clever. My girl is dumb but good. But would I trade my girl for John's girl? You bet your life I would. <laughs> See, that's erotic love. That's external. If I get a better deal, honey, I'm out of here. And uh, if you're better looking, you got more money, you got more brains, for the body like mine and the kind of thing you're getting, I got to go where the getting is good. So I'm out of here. See you later. That's erotic love, physical, external. Storke love was the love among family members. I love my children. Uh, uh, I, I love my family. That, and that was their word, storke. Then you have this word, phileo love. We get Philadelphia. It was the love, and it was a love that uh, uh, is a deep attraction, but it was deeper than eros because it was the word that came to be used for friendship love. And uh, it was that love that uh, we love the same things. We have the same things in common. Uh, I think it'd be real nice to marry your best friend. Some people haven't married their best friend. They married a body. And they struggle, and they usually terminate a marriage because they don't love anything together. They, don't, they haven't found... We have the same values. Carol and I were evaluating our marriage and saying, and we were asking, what, what things do you think have been the glue besides the Lord Jesus in our marriage? And we said, well, trust for sure. And then we said, common values. We both value the same things. That, that's a big glue. It, it won't sell any Playboy magazines. And it won't be on the page of 17. But for the long haul, you better marry a friend. You better marry somebody that you've got some things you find mutual pleasure in. And that is called friendship love. And uh, what happens, if love starts with the external and the physical, Plato had this famous poem on, uh, it was in his book, The Republic. And he said, a base man is that common lover who loves the body rather than the soul. 
He is not lasting, for he loves a thing not lasting, the body. For when the flower of the body fades, which is what he loved, he takes to the wing and will break any number of vows and promises. But the love of a good character remains fulfilled throughout life, for he is fused together with a lasting thing, character. Character doesn't put on weight, doesn't get ugly, and doesn't lose its teeth, and doesn't turn gray. But if you just love the body, Plato said, you're a vain lover, you're a temporary lover, because the body can't always look good. It's going to eventually wear out. And so he said, that's the vain lover. The word agape, that became the New Testament word for love, was seldom used in classical Greek. Some, but not much. But in the New Testament, over 150 times. It's just over and over, agape love, agape love. And what agape love came to mean to the Christians was this upper room and Christ. Christ became the definition, a love that will stoop, a love that will serve, a love that will sacrifice. A love that puts me above itself. A love that's unconditional. Even when I'm dirty, it washes my feet. A love that is not based on me, but it's based upon the nature of the lover. No one in that room made Jesus loving. Nobody in that room met any conditions. They were all sinners. They were all competitors. And who in the world could ever build a team out of three zealous, competitive Jewish men. I had a Jewish friend who said, the reason God made Gentiles is somebody has to pay retail. And then he told me, wherever there's three Jews, there's four opinions. Well, Gentiles do pretty good on that too. Other words, there are ambitious going Get with the kind of people. How can you ever merge them into a team where they will love one another? Well, I want to look at five different aspects. The first one is the sphere of the love that he's commanding. He's commanding them that uh, they are to love one another. And this will be all believers for all time. Not love fellow Jews, love fellow blacks, fellow whites, whatever your ethnicity is, whoever knows Christ, you are to love them like Christ. It's not based upon entities of, uh, let's say, racial, national, uh, gender, whether it's a sister or a brother. All of that's obliterated when he says, love one another. And the Gentile world, that this was spoken into. The Roman world was stratified all over the place. There was hierarchy. There were soldiers in the streets. Uh, women were put on the outskirts. They were only necessary for procreation. They had little place in the culture. The men dominated it. There was racial barriers. There was uh, free and bond. There was slave and free. There were those who had it, those who were poor. All of these different, different barriers and barriers 
and separating things. The caste system existed. In England, it's, are you a blue blood or just a peasant? Do you own land or don't you own land? And you can't go to the same church as those that own the land. The poor man's got to have a poor man's church, and the rich man's got to have a rich man's church. Absolute hypocrisy in light of the verse. The poor folks meet down by the tracks. Us fat cats meet uptown. How can this ever be in the fulfillment of this verse? All dividing barriers, racial, gender, social, economic, it's obliterated. The sphere is not love a fellow Israelite, love a fellow wealthy person, poor person, someone just like you. You know, it's like in our church. We love diversity, and God's given it to us. But it's not that we just go to church with each other and tolerate each other. Uh, we have each other in our homes. Would you go to church with a black person, but you'd never invite them to dinner? What's wrong with you? Are you better? Are they a brother? Are they a sister? Black folks, when are you going to introduce us to your diet? I love pumpkin pie, and I love sweet potato pie. When are you going to have me over? Don't invite me. Are we tolerant of each other? We just happen to show up on the same geography. Well, we really don't love each other. Ain't about to mix. We've got to keep the barriers. Well, wait, wait. Do, do you love me, or do you put on a pair of glasses? They say, well, let's see what color you are first. Or what gender are you first? Are, uh, are you wealthy, not wealthy? Uh, what's so, but, oh, but wait, wait. Are you a Republican? <laughs> That's real important. You've got to know what political party they are. I was in North Dallas, and I was with some guys. They could not believe you could be born again and not be Republican. <laughs> and there was one union man there, John Pugh, who happened to be a Democrat. And I said, you know what? I believe you're going to heaven. That was radical. Nearly caused a revolution. <laughs> the sphere is you shall love one another. And I must say this. I haven't been to every country. But I've been to India. I've been to Morocco. I've been to Spain. I've been to Israel. I've been to Lebanon. I've been to uh, Malaysia. I've been to Singapore. I've been to China. I've been to about 15 other countries. And as soon as I meet a brother and we shake hands, there's instant family kinship, and I don't have any barriers in the way. I'm told we love one another. Just like that. Love one another. Two, he said there's a new measure for our love. He used to say, love your neighbor as yourself. He switched it. Don't love them as yourself. Love them even as I have loved you. Life forever in Jesus Christ. That's the title of our series here in the book of John. We trust our time together today has encouraged you in Christ as we work our way through this wonderful gospel. It is our hope and prayer that chapter 20 and verse 31 will come to bear on your own heart and mind. 
that you understand why John wrote what he wrote, for the purpose of believing and having life eternal in Christ. To review a copy of today's program or to obtain the entire series, we would ask you to get in touch with us here at Truth For Today, and there are a couple of ways to do so. You can call us at 855-833-9864, or you can stop by our website, valleybible.org, and take advantage of the resource materials that we have posted there as well. You're also welcome to write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, the zip code 94547. And as always, your gifts make a great difference here at the ministry. No matter how large or how small, your financial contributions to this ministry allow us to continue presenting the gospel here on KFAX. As a TFT sustainer, we would also like to pass along your way a quarterly newsletter along with our once-a-year special gift and access to Take a Break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional that we have. Again, these are all just simple ways of saying thank you for supporting us financially, realizing that this broadcast is presented daily here on KFAX through your financial involvement as well as your prayerful support. One other note as we close out our time together today, we would like to invite you to join us for worship here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules. You can find out all of the details and directions at our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. We thank you for spending time with us today. As always, it is a pleasure to share God's Word with you. And we look forward to the next time when we can do it again here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Pastor Phil Howard.